Today we are in Romans 8. The text, of course, will be up on the screens. I encourage you, though, to open your Bible uh, because we're just in a tiny part of Romans and it just is such a rich, uh, rich um, section that you might want to be looking at it while we uh, are talking about it. But I'm going to read it first. Romans 8, 14 through 18 from Paul to the church. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if we, in fact, suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. Amen. This is a little random, but I want to tell you about a dream that I had this week. We were doing a project with some well-known actor, so well-known that I didn't know who he was in my dream. But one day after we finished and people were cleaning up, he came and he talked to me. Now remember, this is my subconscious working something out. And because what we were doing was Christian-based, apparently he'd been asked by whatever organization we were with to sign a statement of faith. Now he was fine with that, except when it came to some behavioral issues. So I just went straight into pastor mode and I remember completely being unafraid. And I said, well, is it because you live with your girlfriend? Because of course everyone like had read about this guy in the tabloids. Have you thought about getting married? I said, apparently in my dreams, I'm very bold. So we talked about that, and then there were some deeper questions that he wanted to ask. And as we got into deeper issues, I said, you know, it's just really clear to me that God is drawing you near into deeper relationship. I mean, you know, have you been raised in the church? Do you know how much God wants you to come and, and have relationship with him? And I told him about our study in Revelation and how as the time gets closer for Jesus to return, the divide between good and evil is going to get more pronounced. And I said, people are going to have to choose between Jesus and between living for themselves. And from the beginning, God's made it clear that he wants to be everything in our lives. You guys, I was preaching the word in my dream. <laughs> Who does that? I have to tell you, I've never done that. Usually my dreams are like, I'm so terrified and I get here and no one's here and nothing's done. And Denny's coming with like all of the bishops and like I got nothing done. And this was like the best of course, it ended with the sound of the alarm clock and leading me to wonder, you know, what that was all about. But clearly, our text has been rumbling around inside of me. And I realized later that day that this dream was actually for our conversation today. Because this person was seeking assurance. They wanted assurance for who God was and what the Lord had for their life. And there are moments and seasons so often when we want certainty from God that everything is going to work out. And in thinking about this dream, it occurred to me again from the power of the Holy Spirit that God is not about what we want. 
God is not about just satisfying our needs. It's not his priority. God's assurance is to give us what is true and right and good so that we would receive his love, so that we would know his will for our lives and for the world that we are living in. He gives us answers for our deepest longings. And that's what the passage that we read is about today. Romans 8 is one of the most well-known and beloved chapters in the entire Bible. Paul is writing from Corinth around the year 57, just um, three years after a teenage Nero became the Roman emperor. And Christians were not fully being persecuted yet. And Paul, who had never been to Rome was writing to this church so that they would have a foundation of the gospel in a place and a time where following Jesus was a real challenge. Like most times and places, following Jesus is a challenge. And the main theme of the book is righteousness. And Paul says, none of us are right before God. And Jesus, who is the righteousness of God, took on our sins so that we might be made clean Chapter 8 begins with how there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it ends how nothing, nothing is able to separate us from God's love. And right before our verses, Paul is contrasting life in the flesh and life in the spirit. And he says, when you set your mind on the flesh, that will lead to death. But a mind that is centered on the spirit leads to life and peace. The mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, cannot submit to God. You can't serve two masters. You're going to love one or hate the other. That's what Jesus says. But those who trust Jesus, Paul says, have the spirit in them. On this Pentecost Sunday, these are words to encourage and inspire us. The coming of the Spirit so generously given to the church is what makes our life possible. All week long, I've been thinking about Pentecost Sunday. As I've been praying over people, I've been reminding them, listen, Pentecost changes everything. Where the Spirit is, there is life. Where the spirit is, there is peace. Where the spirit is, there is healing and love and grace. Where the spirit is, there are miracles. Where the spirit is, there is clarity. There is not confusion. Today we celebrate how the spirit connects with us to remind us to bear witness with our spirit of all that we have in Christ. This is a passage about being led by the Spirit. And we might think of being led by the Spirit as guidance, which is what the Spirit does. But Paul's meaning here is different. Paul's meaning is that the orientation of our lives is being determined by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Paul is asking us if the orientation of our lives is being determined by the Holy Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit is a decision that we make every day to listen, to learn, to grow. Jesus invites us to come and follow him. If our lives aren't being determined by the Spirit, what's it being determined by? The 
This is a passage about God's people being beloved children. Paul says we have been adopted into his family. We've been given a place of belonging. Now, Paul here is talking about the Greco-Roman practice of adoption, where the head of a household could formally confer on an unrelated child all the legal rights of a firstborn son. Maybe they do this because they don't have one. Maybe they do this because their, their son has passed away. It was a very, very big deal. And Paul is contrasting here being a household servant, being a slave, and being an heir. And how adoption changes the entire relationship from one who serves to one who is wanted and invited to be family. God treats us with welcome and with excitement. Like the father who welcomes the prodigal back home. Because of squandering his inheritance, the son had nothing. The son had no prospects. And thought to himself, well... Maybe I could go back and see if my dad would let me be a hired hand. And when he gets there, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's no cold shoulder or the father saying, well, look at all your bad choices. You spent what I had to give. Too bad. So sad. You're on your own. No. God always embraces us, always embraces us, no matter where we've gone, no matter what we've done, no matter how much we have spent. God always fully embraces the one who comes home. This is a passage about freedom. We're no longer slaves to sin. We sang that this morning. We're no longer slaves to how the world works or what the world says about who we are or what we have to do. We don't put the flesh first. We put the spirit first. And when we live in the spirit, we learn again what it means to let go of fear. It doesn't mean we don't have any more fear. We know that. We have a lot of fear. But it means that we're not alone. It means that the Spirit helps us with our fear, helps us name it and owns it, and then gently takes it away from us, or sometimes violently takes it away from us. With the Spirit's help, we continue to grow and find freedom as we are translated more and more into the image of Christ. This is a passage of intimacy with God. It's the Holy Spirit who prompts us to call God Abba. Abba is Aramaic for father. It's what Jesus calls God while he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. It's a term of endearment, but also reverence. When we cry out to God as Abba, we are saying, you are my beloved father and I will devote myself to you. I will obey you and let you lead my life. That's a witness of God's presence in us. Every time we go to God, our Abba, in prayer, in song, in conversation, in the depths of our soul where we don't even use words, that is the Spirit telling us who we are. That is the Spirit reminding us who God is. We are children born of God, and nothing takes us out of that relationship. This is a passage about being heirs of God. This changes the picture from us being children. That's an important thing. We don't stay as children, Paul says. When we are adopted, we grow and we mature and we become adults who work and who serve in the kingdom. 
Paul says we are co-heirs with Christ. We have responsibilities in the family. Nikki stood this morning and said she is praying because she is working with people who have yet to know Christ. That is the work of the kingdom. We'll have work both here and in heaven. And then we think, oh, but the kind of heirs that we know on earth is tricky about wills and estates to navigate on a human level. When money is involved, people can get weird. Motivations can change. All of us know situations, maybe we're in one, where a relationship went bad and an inheritance was taken away. These situations are painful on both sides. Sometimes the cutting off seems justified and we hear about it and we're like, yeah, I'd do that. Sometimes it seems harsh and wrong. This is the reality that we live with on earth and it brings us insecurity as we recognize the power dynamics in our own families and the feelings that come up that somehow we no longer belong to one another. The ultimate hurt on both sides is that of not being loved, isn't it? Isn't not feeling loved the basis of all our estrangement and relational difficulty? Why else would we cut one another off? But listen to this promise that Paul is talking about. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. There will never be a time that God turns his back on you. Don't ever think that God isn't there or doesn't care or thinks less of you than a precious part of his family. Because we are joint heirs, it means that we will reign with him. We've just spent time talking about heaven in a way that made us feel as though we were there for a bit. Joint heirs means that we serve and worship the Lord together with Christ. What an incredible truth. In a world where allegiances change and people leave just because they're done with you, where rejection embitters us, we remember it's the Holy Spirit who connects us to God, keeps us always connected for now and in the future. In his letter, Peter wrote how we have an inheritance that will never perish or spoil or fade. It is reserved in heaven for those who believe. And like Paul here, Peter connects the inheritance with suffering. If we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. We belong to the family because Christ suffered on our behalf put on trial and accused of awful things, taunted and tortured, publicly shamed. Those who had fawned over him suddenly turned on him. It doesn't take much for people to change their mind when they don't get what they want. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you also experience these things. Blessed are you when you suffer for my name's sake, because then you are sharing in my sufferings, sharing in my glory, sharing in what it means to follow me. And the Spirit comes and helps us and gives us what we need in those moments, because the way of the cross is suffering for the Lord and also for those who follow. I love this passage because it's such assurance. 
When I was a young believer, I struggled with knowing whether or not I had the Holy Spirit. Between my holiness friends saying that I had to be sanctified and my charismatic friends saying that I needed to speak in tongues and my reformed friends saying that the Spirit didn't really do much like it did in the, whole, in the New Testament, I wondered if I had God's presence living in me. In this chapter, Paul is telling the church how everyone who professes that Jesus is Lord has the Spirit in them, and we need to hear that. So as we enter into this time of communion, let's ask ourselves this morning what assurance we need from the Lord today. Not to be told that everything is going to be okay, but to hear the truth that the Holy Spirit would give us right now. What questions do you bring to the altar? What griefs? What confusion? Are you at a crossroads? Is there fear that is holding you captive? The truth that the Holy Spirit gives keeps us centered on God. So let us seek him this morning as we remember the Lord's table. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.